Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it's me again, Tom here, Tennis of Melbourne, City of Love, and today I am very lucky to have Steve. Steve, you want to say hello to our 50 million friends? Uh, good morning, Tom. Good morning, Melbourne. I wish we were playing more tennis at the moment, but yes. at least we can chat about it. Well, I mean, we we, we are sort of watching US Open, and um, well, we'll, we'll get to US Open a little bit later. So, Steve, um, for those people who uh, who don't really know you, you want to share with us uh, how did tennis all started with you? Like, how do you... Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, look, always loved tennis growing up. Started playing when I was four years old. Um, I think like most keen youngsters, I started playing junior competition in a club. And then um, as I got more and more serious about my tennis, um, I was fortunate they had some good coaches and my level continued to improve to where I was I was playing some local events, some national events, and then lucky, luckily enough to play the Australian Open Juniors and then go to college. So uh, tennis has certainly been very good to me, Tom. Okay. Now, um on that college path, obviously days have changed. Um, most kids I found recently, they, they kind of want to go college because they know that pro is a long, long journey. Was that something that um, you picked up as well in the early days, just going uh, college first? Or did you, uh, yeah, did you not think about going pro at the start? Uh-huh. No, look, absolutely. I think, number one, I don't think I was, I was physically and mentally mature enough to go straight from junior tennis to, to pro. Uh, college was just a great opportunity, I think, to play a ton of matches, to continue my education, to live in another country. So I think not only from a tennis point of view, but also a holistic point of view of me maturing as a person and, and taking more responsibility for everything. Um, college provided so many benefits that um, I'm certainly continually thankful for even today. Mm, okay. Um, can I, uh, so what college did you go to? Yeah, I went to I went to Georgia Southern for a year, and then I transferred to another Division One school, University of Louisiana at Monroe. Right. Okay. And um, what would you say? One or two things that's college tennis, um, also American tennis, should I say, mm. in comparison to say Australian tennis? Mm. Uh, Look, at the time, I think what struck me was um, just the the number of com- different competitive matches I could get against huge numbers of players. There are just so many more players, I think, to start with. So from a competitive aspect, I just love competing against different players. Every week, it was different players of a great level. Um, also, too, I think being Australian, I think one thing we do really well is play good doubles. So I really enjoyed um, playing doubles over there in college as well, where I think, you know, at, at the time, I think as Aussies, we, we had a particular advantage. Um, so I enjoyed the doubles aspect as well. Mm. What would you say in terms of, say, Australian tennis players in general and, say, American tennis player in general? Like some from my past response, some some people, some players, even current players, they said the Australian players maybe because the uh, influence of footy. So Australian mm-hmm. players tend to have that grit. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Look, I think, and that's been our culture going a long way back. I mm-hmm. think we're always um, very competitive, gritty. Uh, we we love a challenge, and and I think you know, as I mentioned, as Australians, we just always love to compete, whether that's 
playing tennis or whether that's football or whether that's two flies crawling up a wall. I think it's, <laughs> it's certainly in our nature and in our culture, mm-hmm. we are just competitive people who love sport. Mm, wow. Okay. So now with your uh, coaching and uh, you want to sh- share with us uh, our 50 million listeners, uh, what have what's kind of accolades or resumes that you, you've been around? Because um, with my Google uh-huh. search last uh, fortnight, or last, last few days, sorry, um, so Ash Body name popped up, WTA, uh-huh. uh, or TA, and also, you yep. know, to all the Grand Slams. Um, yep. can, could you tell us a little bit more about um, where you've been and uh, what you've done? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I guess from a junior perspective, I w- I've been fortunate enough through the Victorian Institute of Sport, through Fifth Dimension Tennis or through Tennis Australia to, to coach a number of national champions. Um, and funnily enough, a few popped up on uh, your Tennis of Melbourne chat, Tom. So <laughs> um, that was actually fun for me to listen to you to, to speak to Stefan Storch. So <laughs> particularly proud of his achievements and my work with him, um, w- with his development. Uh, he won back-to-back nationals, so uh, I always enjoyed my time with Stefan um, and, and also, too, some other athletes through the avenues I mentioned. Um, also, too, look, I've, I've had great opportunities with some WTA players. Uh, Christina Wheeler played Fed Cup for Australia, uh, did some travelling with Nicole Pratt. Uh, also, too, I was fortunate enough while... Um, Ash Barty was being coached by Jason Stoltenberg to do a number of trips with Ash um, on my own under under Jason's guidance, which um, for me as a coach was just invaluable after she won Junior Wimbledon. It was a great opportunity for me to get my hands dirty with a, obviously a high-quality player, as we know, mm-hmm. being number one in the world now, but probably more importantly, just a great person. So mm-hmm. um, I think uh, I've been very fortunate over time with, with some of the athletes I've worked with. Um, can also throw in Storm Sanders. Another, uh, being left-handed myself, I've always enjoyed my time with Storm and uh, the WTA events we did. Uh, so, yeah, look, I feel fortunate, Tom, just with the range of athletes and ages I've, mm-hmm. I've been able to work with. Right. In in your opinion and experience, what is one difference between a good coach and a great coach? I think number one, probably the ability to listen. Um, it's the ability to listen. Um, I also think too, it's being really clear with your philosophy. However, being able to work within your philosophy and deliver it in different ways. So we, we all know people are different. So. Different athletes can absorb it. Um, I think too often perhaps we just go in with the same message delivered the same way and it's not a one-shoe-fits-all um, approach with, with different players and different personalities. Um, so, yeah, look, I think the ability to listen, a clear philosophy that you can adapt to the individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, too, I think really clear benchmarking and planning over time. So uh, we know it's a very emotional process um tennis we get caught up in wins and losses Mm -hmm. but i think having a very clear plan in terms of how you're going to plan what the athlete needs to do put it into operation but then probably even more importantly have the ability to review what's what's gone right what hasn't gone so well 
and then continue to plan for the future. So I guess trying to, within reason, remove some of the emotion from the conversation and the review process around wins and losses. Hmm. Now, um, I don't, I don't want to, you know, uh, offend any any player because recently in U.S. Open there was a player who um, I'm not going to say who, six uh, one up in the first set, five uh, one or five two serving for the match, and then mm-hmm. they lost the whole whole match. So. Yep. Um, as a coach, how would you deal with that kind of loss? <laughs> yeah, look, and, and we've all been here as players and coaches, I think. Um, well, I think it depends a little bit on the personality of the coach or, and the player and, and who they were playing. Um, look, I've found in general uh, things can be going so well. You can be playing a great match, but then all of a sudden you get nearer and nearer to the finish line in terms of actually winning the match and achieving the result you want. So, um, look, I'd be looking at their process between points. Did they have a clear game plan? From an emotional perspective, did their arousal level get too high? Were they trying to finish the point too quickly? Mm-hmm. Or did they become tentative? So I guess, in, in other words, it's trying to use numerous avenues as a coach to assess what changed from, you know, 5-1 up in the second set. Um, and and often that's a, a mental and, and an emotional thing that obviously things are going well. Um, but also, too, I think, you know, it's it's also looking at the opponent and what did, what did they change tactically at that point in time. But you'd imagine often from 5-1 up, um, if you can have clear processes and emotionally keep your, your head together, then more often than not, you'd expect to obviously win the match from there. Okay. You, I'm not sure if I'm asking this correctly, but um, what do you mean? Do you have an example of a game plan? Like, let's say, most common game plan. Let's say, for example, I've, I've heard from players who just say, oh, you know, aggressive at the net or, you know, approach mm-hmm. or mix of play. What are some of the game, play, game plan in, in, you know, in a professional level? that players mm-hmm. sort of have that in the back of their mind. And so, yeah, just want to give a bit of insight. Mm-hmm. I think the, the best players, they know what they do well. Uh, so they know how they like to win points. They, they know what their favourite things to do are. So, for example, for a lefty, the ad side, you know, it'd probably be a big lefty swinging serve out wide and then really looking for a forehand to rip into the open court. Mm-hmm. And then perhaps try and finish at the net um, or with another forehand. Um, and it can be related to game styles too, Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, we know the aggressive baseliner likes to, they prefer to finish with, with a big forehand inside the court, mm-hmm. um, often from, you know, often an off forehand. Um, we know the all court game style type of player often likes to finish the point at the net or use their variety. So, I think it is very individual for each one of them. Uh, but, you know, Roger's a great example. He loves to finish points with his big forehand or finishing forwards at the net, which we know looking back at Roger perhaps 10 years ago, he wasn't looking to move forwards as much. But I think over time that's something he's he started to, to try and do a little more and credit to him and his coaches as well. Mm. So um, there's a couple of examples there, but I think it's... It's been really clear with with what you do well. Mm. Earlier, you you mentioned about your opponent. Um, mm. Are there apart from frustration, which is a clear sign? What are the mm. other other body language as a player can pick mm. up from opponent and go, hmm, okay, I'll, I will I will do it this way now. So, what are some of the the, the cues or or, or mm-hmm. um, tells, if you if you will? 
I guess some of the, the things you're looking for is, um, and it can be subtle, uh, and this it's actually quite interesting at the US Open with with obviously no crowd. They, they can't <laughs> feed off the crowd and, and, and things as such. But look, I think often if they start chatting to their player box, um, you know, there, there's you can notice with some players, the more chatty they get towards their, their coach and so on, you, you probably know their anxieties rising or they're, they're looking for some outlet to release some frustration um, or perhaps even get a word or two of advice. Um, I think to the speed between points in which they play, um, whether they're really flat and they slow down a little bit or perhaps they start to rush. Um, and also to you know, other key body language cues, are they dropping their head? Are they pumping their fist? Um, is their energy and purpose with what they're doing? Um, so there is a lot you can see, um, and some of the, the best competitors over time are, are really aware of their opponent and making it a one-on-one contest. Mm. Now, personally, uh, in the recent years, because I've been around uh, junior tournaments and AMT playing yeah. them, and one of the things I've found, and also in a, in a, in a professional level, is um, for all my 50 listeners who listen to, to, to Tennis of Melbourne religiously will know exactly what I'm about to ask which is my favorite type of shot or a weapon, should I say, is the backy slice, backhand slice. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, apart from you can play offense, defense, you can place the ball, you can change the pattern. What's your approach to backhand slice? Look, I think, uh, well, Ash Barty, great example. Yep. Uh, I know <laughs> the times I hit with Ash, her, her slice, the different ball shapes and and speeds and and trajectories she can use with her slice is, is really amazing. So I think that's definitely one of been been one of the keys to Ash's success. Um, and it, it look, I think it just it provides a great avenue to get the ball outside of the opponent's strike zone. Um, and and the other great thing about the slice is you can look at the grips of your opponent. So if they've got quite extreme grips. Um, then the slice back end is highly effective because, as we know, the the more extreme the grip, so a you know maybe a, a semi western or western on the forehand side or a, or a conti semi western combo on the backhand side, if you can really skid that ball low, then then that really challenges their grip combinations too. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, look, I think the slice back end is back in a major way, Tom. Um, what would you say? Grass is the best surface. Uh, grass. Uh, well, I, look, I, I love watching clay and hardcourt. Um, that's always been my personal favourite. Mm-hmm. Um, the grass at Wimbledon plays so well now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a hardcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, as Aussies, well, you know, we love watching those Davis Cup flashbacks at Kuyong and mm-hmm. as such. So it's an important part of our culture, the grass. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, unfortunately, I, I think it's it's one of those surfaces that, you know, even since we lost, or not lost, but the Australian Open changed from Kuyong to Melbourne Park and mm-hmm. became hardcourt. I, I think things over time have gradually perpetuated away from grass, unfortunately. Mm. Okay. Oh, sorry. My, this is my, 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 my fault here. I mean, when I mean uh, the grass is the best service, would you say grass is the best service for backhand slice? Backhand slice? Um, look, absolutely. Oh, I think mm-hmm. it's um, – you watch at Wimbledon, a number of players adapt to, to try and use the slice a little bit more to keep the ball low. Um, so, yep, slice highly effective on grass, and, and we've had some great Aussies over time for just that reason mm-hmm. um, have had terrific slice backhands because of its effectiveness. 
True or false? Um, if you have a good backhand slice, you can have a good volley. I think that's uh, absolutely true. I think um, certainly assists with the backhand volley is, is my thought. Um, so, that, yeah, that'd be a true for me, Tom. Mm, okay, wow, this is good. All right, Whew, let's take a deep breath. Now, let's do something a little bit light. Let's let's go something a little bit light. So, um, sure. are you a coffee drinker? I'm a massive coffee drinker. Oh, you got more I'm friends now. I'm worried you've spoken to a few people on this because I've actually been criticised for my coffee intake. So, uh, yeah, oh. you're onto something here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I can get up to three a day uh, yep. and I'm a go-to mocha uh, yep. latte sometimes. Uh, what's yours? Uh, I'll go with a, uh, often in the morning, I'll mm-hmm. go a double shot of coffee with just a small little bit of warm milk. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably go two of those mm-hmm. if uh, my four-year-old's got me up at the crack of dawn. So <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> it, it may be a two coffee combo there, Tom, oh. at some mornings. Um, but then I progress to a, a cappuccino after lunch. So, uh, uh, my four-year-old's a good gauge in terms of how many coffees I need a day. Okay, wow. Now, um, I'm going to give you a little hint here. This convo is tennis of Melbourne. All right, just keep that in back of your mind. Okay. Yeah. Now, so Steve, you've been to around the world, been Wimbledon and every places, mm-hmm. you know. I'm sure you had a couple of local coffees around here and there. So, mm-hmm. for someone who traveled around the world and had the local coffees, mm-hmm. which city has the best coffee? Gee, great question. I'm, uh, I, t- uh, I think it's a dead heat for me, Tom, between Ooh. Paris and Melbourne. They've oh. probably been my best two coffees. Um, yep, so those two, uh, those two cities would battle it out for mine. I've had some, some rippers of coffees in both. Um, but being, being local, obviously, I, I'd give Melbourne just that slight edge. <laughs> no, oh, nice. Now, um, other, so, okay, let's talk about, I mean, I've, I haven't been to, to France, but what's yeah. so special about, say, Paris coffee or Parisian coffee or Melbourne, Melbourneian coffee? Is it, is it the, uh, the company, the, the, the vibe and, and everything else, or how, do they do things a little bit different? Yeah, look, I think it's a whole experience. Um, like, yeah, absolutely the quality of coffee. Um, I'd like to pretend that I'm a coffee connoisseur, but I'm certainly not of that league. Um, a few of my other coach friends are, but look, I think absolutely the quality of coffee. I like a strong coffee, uh, but also too, it's the experience. I mean, you know, sitting in a Melbourne cafe, um, is incredible, uh, but also too, I think when you can, you know, sit out the front of a Paris cafe and watch watch the city go by, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty impressive. So uh, I think you you got to throw the whole experience in there as well. Mm, okay, love it, love it. Okay, lucky. Well, just so you know, it's I I, I, I haven't forced you to say Melbourne, but I'm glad you say Melbourne because Melbourne is <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on, it's it, this will be really controversial. This split the whole entire Melbourne community in half. Okay. Okay. <laughs> do you eat, do you eat pizza? I'm sorry, Tom. Uh, sorry, I sorry, uh, do you eat pizza? Do I eat pizza? Yes, I okay, do. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? That's a yes for me. Tom. <laughs> uh, that's going to be an unpopular answer, and I'm going to be criticised for that. But look, I got to be honest with you. It's always it's always been a yes on a, especially I think on a summer's night, Tom. A good uh-huh. Hawaiian pizza. That's uh-huh. a yes for me. Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have a lot in common, Steve. I got to say, my <laughs> first combo. Right. Okay. Now uh, let's slowly moving uh, to 
uh, back to tennis a little bit is um, I have some technical uh, tips, uh, if you will. Okay. So, uh, second serve. What is your first tip? What what, what is your best tip? Second serve. Mm -hmm. uh, look, I think a common misconception with some juniors is that they often slow the racket down through contact. Uh, for me, with with a second serve, you always want to speed the racket up through contact with the appropriate ball toss so you can really get a nice heavy spin on it. Mm -hmm. So it's an aggressive serve but also a safe serve, hopefully. Mm. One tip, playing doubles. Playing doubles, I think your feel and your communication with your partner is always critical. So I, I think... Um, Put in the extra yards with your partner in terms of communicating, but also too, uh, I think, set up some particular plays where you can maximise um, your advantages as a team. One thing to do or think about during change events? I think very quickly review your game plan. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a quick review, then a quick reset with what your game plan will be coming up for the next game. And then I think it's maintaining your concentration and your focus on your court. Um, so don't allow your mind to wander too much. A um, little bit of breathing, but maintain your concentration. One tip for cons or maintaining a positive body language. Oh, one tip. I think often your mind controls what your body does. So mm -hmm. I think being really clear and simple and positive with your mind will assist with your body language. So, you know, if you play a really good point, then make sure you give yourself the appropriate feedback. But I think, too, if you play a point you're not happy with, mm -hmm. um, it's getting over that really quickly and preparing for the next point. Okay. Last tip and probably the, a, a big one, too. Uh, one tip for tennis parents. Tennis parents, uh, find the best coach you can find, but then allow that coach to do his or her job. Um, so I, I think it's important to recognize, you know, the coach is critical. Mm -hmm. uh, so find the best coach you can, let them, let them do the work. But also, too, as parents, you, you know, you have a right to, you know, a bit of a review process as well. So um, perhaps outside of those review processes, um, let the coach do his job. And, and as we know, sometimes the, the toughest conversations between parents and players are straight after a match, you know, the, the player and the, the parent are in the car. And, and that's probably the worst time often for the parent to, <laughs> to you know, and their emotions are running high. You know, they've, they've given up their time and they're finances so it's tempting as a parent to, to provide some feedback that perhaps the coach should be doing now just on this context i i just have a vision um you don't have to drop names and i you know it's would it be hard if a say professional coach like yourself traveling with player or players and you know locally yes we have you know awkward driving back home all right that's mm -hmm. a couple of hours 40 mm -hmm. minutes you know but mm -hmm. Were there times where there was awkward flight? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, uh, look, I've been fortunate. Oh, I've been in that respect. Um, I've always gotten on really well with the athletes that I've worked with. But the answer is, you know, absolutely yes. You know, it's both parties are heavily invested. So mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, recognising space when it's needed uh, so the appropriate conversation can occur. But look, abs absolutely, you know, we're... I think we, we've all had athletes over time or we felt as players where 
um, yeah, you kind of sneak outside and, and let some frustration out for a period of time. So I think we're, we're all human there, Tom. <laughs> now, just a light one here on the flight. Uh, window seat, aisle seat or middle seat? Gee, uh, I think if, it, look, if it's a long one, Tom, I, I'm going the aisle. Oh, really? Why is that? Yep, stre- stretch those legs out. But mm-hmm. obviously, uh, the only disadvantage to that is is when you get, get nailed in the leg with the old uh, food trolley. So, yeah, you, oh, you've got to keep, your, keep one eye open. <laughs> <laughs> what is the longest flight you've been? Like, uh, like Longest one... flight? Uh, oh, look, Europe's always a long one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've gone through to to melbourne dubai london italy uh that was a long one mm-hmm. um i've also gone melbourne la miami so that Jeez. was a journey as well but I, I think that europe one might take the cake that was a that was a, a hike now traveling is big for professional players and coaches yeah. are there any some memorable moments whether it's funny whether it's you know at going to the wrong uh, boarding uh, the boarding gate or you know forgot the passport you know in terms of traveling do you you want to share a few uh-huh. funny ones well i'll try not embarrass myself too much <laughs> so i'll keep it um <laughs> fairly, fairly light-hearted but mm-hmm. look i think one time i do remember and i guess this is a slightly serious note is being stuck in atlanta for trying to get home after a long trip in the states trying to get home um via atlanta and there were some terrible fires in california so we literally ended up spending an extra three nights in atlanta when we were just hoping to obviously just continue to um hop on hop on flights and get home so after after a long time on the road and then an extra two or three nights where you're just sitting around waiting that uh yeah that wasn't much fun, and, and, yeah, that was one of those moments, Tom, where frustration starts to boil a bit, but obviously, uh, yeah, there, there was a serious nature to that story, too. Mm, wow. Oh, that's the LA... F- oh, that's 2014, 2013. I think I did a case on that. Is yeah, it- no, there's, unfortunately, uh, I, I might be proven incorrect, but I think there's been a few in California over time, oh, so it may have been the, the early 2000s, maybe, yeah. but yeah, there's been there's been numerous ones, hasn't there, unfortunately. Okay. Right, okay. Well, now, um, coming back to Tennis of Melbourne, now, Tennis of Melbourne, uh, for those who don't know, is that Tennis of Melbourne is about appreciation. Now, so, um, so Steve, this is your time. You want to, you know, thank the people, um, uh, drop down some names if you wish. So this is your time about your tennis journey, your appreciation. Mm. So Steve, take it away. Yeah, gee, um, I don't know where to start. I've been <laughs> fortunate enough to have have a lot of great people over time. Start with my family for one, mm. for giving me the opportunity to play growing up. Um, I think Pete Dover, a coach, did a great job with me growing up. Um, my college coach, Randy Rowley. Um, did a great job in terms of managing the team. Um, also, too, uh, I guess some of my coaching mentors, and, and I've had some some really good ones over time. Um, Paul Anacone's always been great to me. I'm fortunate enough to to have him around on occasion. Um, Michael Robertson in the Victorian Institute of Sport years gave me my first opportunity. Um, Nicole Pratt and Jason Stoltenberg. Um, you know, very different personalities, but just fantastic people. I learnt a lot off them, um, and I think too, Tom. Just, just even uh, no real names come to mind specifically, but I just think the coaching community of Melbourne is a great one to 
you know, I think just, just talk tennis and, and talk coaching. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm very appreciative of, I guess, the, the tennis community as well. Mm, okay, right. Um, now, we earlier on we spoke about US Open. Now, for those who are listening, we are on the 4th of September. Uh, so we just passed round, or just passed round three. Now, have you been watching uh, or keep an eye on uh, the US Open? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your, some of your thoughts about or predictions, if you will? Um, mm. You know, so uh, are you? Do you think Novak's going to take out this one and 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 Osaka, or were there any any mm-hmm. surprises? Oh, I think this is one of the more intriguing U.S. Opens, Tom. Mm-hmm. I agree, definitely. <laughs> uh, look, I think you, you look at the preparation of the athletes has been so different, given what's happened to the obviously you know not being able to compete on a normal calendar, nor play a normal schedule. Um, so, and I think too, just not having the crowd at the event. You know, the U.S. Open is such. Uh, a loud event and the stadiums, the, the noise and the atmosphere is just really something pretty amazing. So point of interest for me is just um, which players may tend to thrive in a more quiet environment, I guess you could say. Perhaps mm-hmm. that's some of the more younger, inexperienced athletes. And then, you, as you mentioned, maybe you look at a Novak who just loves a big stage, you know, loves interaction with the crowd, um, May, you know, maybe a Serena, how is she going to react given her situation? Mm. Um, so there, there are a couple of fascinating aspects, such as the ones I just mentioned, that it's hard to answer yet, but we'll see it unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always think Novak's going to be unbelievably tough to beat, um, especially on hard court. Dominic Team's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, watching our, you know, Alex Demonar with, with great interest, you know, I think... He seems to be serving bigger and finishing a few more points at the net. I, I like what he's doing and I like how he goes about it. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, from the women's side, uh, look, yeah, Serena's going to be tough. Um, once again, let's see how she reacts to the different environment. Um, always an intimidating presence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Kvitova's still in the draw. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big lefty, if she's red hot and firing, she's tough to beat. Muguruza's still hanging around. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we certainly know her record and she seems to be in pretty decent form and fitness. So um, f- for me, Tom, to cut a long story short, let's just see how some of those players react to very different circumstances in a different environment. Mm, yes, like I... <laughs> I actually like to like underdogs and not so much uh, like the favorite. So what I told that the social media was, uh, and I still believe they can go very far. And mm. you know, I, I had uh, Titi Pass and Angela yep. Kerber. <laughs> they still yeah. in. They still in. So <laughs> well, uh, I tell you, and, and what a great opportunity! You know, as you said, from players ranked mm. five to fifteen or twenty-five. There's, you know, we, we know the draws aren't quite as strong as what they normally would. So perhaps this opens up an, an opportunity mm-hmm. you know, for players such as the ones you mentioned to maybe get in there and sneak a slam title. Yeah, yeah. I hope hopefully City Pass gets one or someone else. But, yeah. Well, uh, I, I tell you, he's. Uh, we, we all know that he can play, that's for sure. That's for you. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, last few little things before we go. Like, I've got to say, you know, I... I I never met you. I, first time this convo, I already love this whole vibe. It makes me feel like 
wow, this is this is so good. You know, I, I really enjoy you know having. I'm mm. I'm looking forward for a 2.0 at some point, and um, uh-huh. and, and even just uh, you know, I'll reach out to you for for Roland Garros, you know, predictions sure. or, or something like that. Now, last two little things is: Do you follow AFL? I do. Okay. I do. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Now, <laughs> now let's see. Hmm. Now, I'm a Bombers fan. I'll tell you that. Okay. That's uh, another thing we've got in common, Tom. We oh! love a slice backhands too. So there you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> Kevin Sheedy, uh, Michael Long. They're my favorites. And uh, who else? Uh, That's it. Yes. Uh, who else? Um, yeah, wow. Well, no way. Jeez, you made my day. <laughs> Bombers? Well, uh, Michael Long, hey, that, that long run he did in that grand final and, and slots a little goal through. How, oh. that's, that one's hard to forget, isn't it? I think it yeah. was Norm Smith medal. So, yes, yes, yeah, yes. There's, we got lots of good memories, Bomber fans, don't we? Oh, wow. Jeez, you know. <laughs> you know what, Steve? <laughs> Next time if I see you or when I see you, I'm going to shout you a coffee. How's that sound? Oh, that Tom, uh, and uh, knowing knowing how we like to drink coffee, I'm sure I can get one right back at you. Okay, right. Okay, now last thing before we go, last thing before we go uh, to finish it off is that what is one thing over the years? What's one thing that tennis has taught you? <clears throat> uh, I think it's strong. Uh, gee, try and limit to well. I think I love striving to be better. Um, and, and in saying that, it, it's it's a double-edged sword. Where I think tennis and, and sport in general also has a, a great way of um, keeping you humble. I think sport is is always a humbling experience, but also to um, the achievements through hard work. Mm-hmm. Nothing feels better. So I probably couldn't give you one there, t- uh, Tom. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that that's probably the best answer I have for you. That's that's good enough, ladies and gentlemen. And this is what I always tell my my audience. I say, ladies and gentlemen, when when, when I hear something really inspiring, I'll tell them I tell them to have standing ovations. So standing ovations. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first one I've ever got, Tom. So I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time and energy and 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 that be- and these beautiful values. And you know, five years, ten years down the track, I'm definitely going to come back and then re-listen to this. So. Thank you very much. Uh, go Bombers. Uh, go Bombers. We are still hanging there. Absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, um, w- great job with Tennis in Melbourne. I love it. Love the uh, Melbourne tennis community and what you've done with it. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Enjoy the day. Thanks, Tom. You <laughs> too. Bye-bye. Bye.